Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Voices of Two Blocks podcast. My name is Hermela. And my name is Janat, and today we are here with a special guest, Ryan McQuaid, a current designer and illustrator at Richard Lewis Media Group. Today, we welcome you back all for episode four of season two. As always, we will be addressing our throughline question, can and should corporate entities play a greater role in our education? Hi, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing so well. How is everybody doing today? I'm good. Thank you. So just to start us off, do you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and who you are and your path on becoming a designer and illustrator at RLMG? Yeah, sure. Um, So uh, start at the beginning. I went to Lesley University for my undergrad, did um, design there, uh, did a couple of victory laps and uh, did my master's program at Lesley um, and kind of continued in that uh, higher ed sphere um, where I I got my job at RLMG as a uh, designer, uh, and then I kind of broadened my role into uh, motion graphics, animation, uh, illustration, kind of just a general problem solver. Uh, just for a little background, uh, RLMG is a uh, we're a studio about 30 or 40 strong in Watertown, Massachusetts, and we specialize in the uh, creation of linear and interactive museum exhibits around the world. So um, every day is different. Uh, we are project-based. So we're working with you know dozens and dozens of museums at any given time. I think at one point, I think this year, we had more projects than we had people, which was a very uh, exciting thing. Um, and then just a little bit about my background, because I think it is kind of relevant in this conversation. I, I grew up in um, Southern New Hampshire, around the main border in a town called Rochester. Um, uh, and I am a half Filipino. Um, and so I, I'm kind of in this very interesting part in my life where I'm kind of trying to rediscover or really learn more about my own culture. Uh, the place I grew up in New Hampshire was uh, notoriously undiverse. And I probably represented a lot of the diversity uh, where I grew up. So uh, for better or worse, that that's uh, something I'm still trying to navigate. Um, and so these kind of sorts of conversations and uh, about, you know, just what you're doing over at IFP um, is really helping me kind of understand a whole lot of that I missed <laughs> in high school and like the opportunities that you have, but then how we're not quite there yet. So uh, yeah, I'm just really happy to be here. And uh, the work you've both have been doing and IFP as a whole is just really inspiring. So Thank you. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for sharing. And we're glad that you were able to learn a couple of things from us. And we're glad to learn things from you as well. And if you guys may or may not know, Ryan has been a supporter of Two Blocks for quite some time now. And we're just really grateful to have you be one of our supporters who have been here since the beginning. So like we said, you've known us for quite some time. And we wanted to ask you what attributes of Two Blocks have resonated with you since then. And what aspects have you brought back to your work at RLMG, if any? Yeah. Um, so I, I've, as you know, I've been involved in some of the design uh, critiques around two blocks and the things beforehand, the looking glass and all of these things. Worked with IFP just on the fringe, just offering as much visual advice as I can give. So really my background is in, in visual design. And so from that perspective, I really have found two blocks to be a really well branded uh initiative like i think just as far as visuals go and uh just the name two blocks really invokes how little space between kendall square and the rest of the world and how we're really we're dealing with such tight areas but just such massive gaps in uh in opportunity and uh so i think 
two blocks just as a name and as an initiative really gets to this really tough area of perspective. And um, for me, at least learning about two blocks, really having to put myself in the perspective of of you, really. I think you're kind of the 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 end user of this initiative. And so um, really kind of understanding where you're coming from and your hopes and dreams, I think, is the some of the most exciting parts of this initiative. Yeah, no, for sure. And again, we thank you and applaud you for being, I remember even still during my first year of being at IFP, when we were first starting off Two Blocks, you were definitely one of the members of the design reviews yes. that we held. And Two Blocks was not just the only project at the time. So it's so amazing to see like that trajectory and seeing how far we've come and will continue to go. So mm-hmm. thank you again. Um, I mm-hmm. think something that you brought up that we always think about, and even one of the people who has started at the beginning of Two Blocks is that name. And I think that it's so powerful, even how mm-hmm. simple and basic it is, like Two Blocks, but it it represents the physical, but also the metaphorical disconnects between the two. So I think for mm-hmm. me, it shares and it holds such a strong and powerful meaning, not just the distance, but also the distances between opportunity and how drastic that is for people. So I think that's something that I really love as well so I share that with you um but let's just jump in again like I think that you have a really unique perspective um from anyone we've talked to so far in the sense that you're involved in both the business but also the higher ed sector um and I wanted to know if you see like any crossovers between the two what's lacking in the current system and like that filtration of students in higher ed and how they're getting opportunities to jobs and vice versa so I just wanted to get some insight on that from you yeah, I mean, so I, I am really kind of involved um, in the tail end of your pathway. You know, mm-hmm. you know, we were thinking about going from elementary school to high school to college to higher ed to business. And so, um, you know, I, I, at my role at RLMG, I'm, I'm on the design team and I am involved in like portfolio reviews and taking a look at, uh, you know, people that have come out of college and higher ed and seeing you know, what, what do they have to offer for our studio for hiring. Um, and I think it's really tough because there is a disconnect in at least the work we do. The work we do is so specialized. I think in the museum space, it is project specific. Every museum we do has its own kind of content uh, mountain that we have to climb. And then also but people in the higher ed are like kind of developing skills that are broad enough to be marketable. And that's problematic at times because we're really finding that the skills we need uh, on day one are either there or they're just like not quite what we're using either from a tech perspective or from just an artistic perspective. And so at least for me, I I really I really wish I could like, and I have, I, I, we can talk more about this as we go, but um, really just designing curriculum specifically for what we need uh, at our studio. I mean, I can only speak for my studio specifically, but um, knowing that we need XYZ out of school for someone to be effective and to be able to fill a space and to be able to contribute to our studio on day one. And so um, I think it's just that uh, being able to kind of have the, the corporations or, or businesses shape to an extent, the things that are being learned and gained out of school to better have like more effective workers coming into the workforce. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like you said, in Two Blocks, we really do believe that like, unlike 
unlike the popular opinion, which is that businesses should only do the work that they're working on their business and schools should only be, be focusing on educating these students. We think that these businesses do have the power to shape the education that is going on. And specifically applying that idea to Cambridge, we see that Kendall Square is part of our city, but then you have the Cambridge public school system which we find there are some diversity gaps and just generally some things that we think Kendall Square has the power to shape. So just like you said, you work in this higher ed sphere, you have insight on what that pipeline is to connect these students to these businesses. I think that that's just like a really great perspective that we like to hone in on. Yeah, I think adding on to that too is that you brought up this very interesting point that I've been like thinking about recently is that Obviously, you're speaking from your perspective at your studio, and you know the skills and the necessary skills needed to thrive in that environment. So I think that's something that's really unique and we can attribute into the school community is that these businesses know what they need. And again, like that to dual ended like spectrum, if you will, where if we're curating students and giving them the necessary tools to thrive in these places, not only is that benefit benefiting the student, but also the businesses in the long run. So I think that's like super like interesting. And like even like your your studio does a lot of work around like museum exhibits, which is very specific. But I think that can be applied to like even more of those like corporate global corporate companies if you will um so i think that's super that's super unique yeah at the end of the day i think every business wants something out of this right i mean this is kind of at the the center of uh two blocks is like how can we convince corporations and the data is right here and like it's not it's it, it makes perfect sense but these corporations, they, are, they want to live forever and they want to, you know, stay on top of wherever pedestal they're on is how can we really get that, you know, shared value? Like, how can we understand, get the idea across to a corporation that this is not something that they're losing control over or like this is something that's in their own best interest. And so, um, yeah, this is something that we're we're contending with over at RLMG. Uh, we're actually... We're we're not in the middle of a transition. We are actually a worker-owned co-op as of this year, uh, which means wow. that everybody in our company owns an equal share of the company. Um, and that's very, very, uh, that's kind of the most exciting thing happening in RLMG right now is that we, we're not even Richard Lewis Media Group where we are like just using RLMG. I mean, maybe that changes. I can't speak for them. But uh, uh, and so we have full autonomy over what we do now not that we didn't but there's now written language and bylaws and laws that are saying that like there's a there's a democratic process and we can make change uh to our bottom line as workers uh whether you're at the very top or the very bottom it doesn't matter we are all um we're all equal in this and so it creates a lot of exciting opportunities around policy and hiring policy all of these things around diversity and so we're I guess in I'm maybe skipping a couple of questions ahead, but oh, I'm, no I, we're, <laughs> but we're already thinking a little bit about you know we have all these issues with the community and we want to connect with the community. How can we best do that? And I think the first step we found out um, is to really take control of the ship and to be able to steer the ship in a direction. And that's not something that you know a big company can do. Like the a lot of the the Kendall Square big big 10 companies out there, um, they can't move as fast as a, a smaller company and they can't reach out to their community. And so um, I think 
our first step of being able to take complete ownership over our, our studio for the first time um, is giving us a lot of opportunity to do that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean, I think that that idea that you had of everybody being equal, that's such an interesting philosophy. I mean, I really like mm. it. And like you said, you guys now have the power to steer your business in the direction that you want it to. And when we're tying that back to two blocks, we find that sometimes businesses have a hard time being open to finding the initiative to kind of work with us in a way. I think that everybody obviously has it in them. They want to get involved. But I think that really taking that first step forward is the problem that we're seeing. So I think that like you said, being having the power to kind of take that initiative and do something about it, being willing to take the initiative that you have and steer the ship in the direction that will actually, in a sense, bring the change that we want it to, I think is so powerful. Yeah. And I think to your point as well is that I think steering that ship is something that is a universal thing that is needed Very. in across all sectors, but especially in this educational sector. Mm-hmm. Like even as a student now, like a lot of the decisions and even we always come back to this point is like how many decisions are being made without those who are affected by them at the table when they're made and that's something we're struggling with now even as students when we have all these yeah we're thankful to have a superintendent and all these amazing administrating members but how much are they actually tapping in and honing in on our perspectives and our stories to shape those policies and shape how the school is being run and that right now it's improving let's not like discredit it but it's not to the level that it needs to be Mm -hmm. um and I think that's something that's a universal thing so it's really amazing to see and I think even that lag where businesses are always like evolving and and shaping their companies to the to the current day needs Mm -hmm. but the educational system is not is not is not doing that and is stuck in this like system that has been the same for all these years Mm -hmm. i'm not trying to come after the educational system but i am no come after them yes so (laughs) it's just really really interesting to think about we're having the same system like piping out students to come into these businesses while these businesses are businesses mm-hmm. are evolving, but the schools are not, and they're not keeping up with that. And I think that's the main inequity in this sense. So using that to like segue into our next question, we always talk about internships. And here at Two Blocks, obviously, we have this pathways to potential mindset where we think it starts way before high school, even as early as kindergarten to get these students aware and immersed and curious about the opportunities that are quite literally in their own backyard. So we think that you have a little bit of insight on how the high school to college pipeline, you kind of touched on this a little bit. Um, But what are you seeing there in that sense? Like are students coming into college prepared for their next chapter? Um, And if not, how are students, how are high school internships going to help that? And yeah, we'll just start Mm -hmm. there. Mm. I mean, that's a really good question. I think it's tough in the visual design world, I think high school to college. It's a very interesting pipeline and kind of shift. I think high schools just generally aren't equipped to to teach visual design. I think uh, I, you can probably even think back to like your art classes that are, are CRLS, like art classes. I mean, you're probably well, well, well way off better than we were in, in New Hampshire, but I took one art class in high school. I, I didn't really have opportunities. I didn't really even know what I was getting into when I signed up to go to Leslie. I got, a, I, I got accepted. Um, uh, and I, uh, 
I joined the design uh, program, which I thought design was architecture. It is not. It is something called graphic design that I learned as a freshman in college. And so I did not know what I was getting myself into. And I think it was, I think it was Tariq, uh, your last guest, uh, who was talking about um, models and um, like thinking, trying to understand or trying to get to students the idea of like, not these typical like astronaut firefighter jobs, but like really getting at the idea of like, there's so much out there and it's not just these, I call them Lego city jobs, like the things that you would get kind of like yeah. this little like ambulance driver mm-hmm. or something like these are marketed to kids because of simplicity, but there's so much nuance in like what mm-hmm. I, I wasn't always an artist in, in uh, elementary school. It was always the kid in the back drawing. And I didn't know that was a marketable skill. I didn't know that was something that could, I could even be a possibility for me. Um, and so I think creating models, creating um, opportunities for businesses to get into schools. I think we had a conversation at the the summit in May around, like, Mm -hmm. I want to like be in a third grade class and talking about like, just having this conversation with third graders. Like, I think that's a time when people are starting to kind of think of, oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. I think everybody has a story of when they knew when they wanted to do that thing that they're currently doing. Um, and it usually starts with the human story of like, oh, I saw X person on TV or someone came into my, my classroom. And I think if we can create more of those stories. Um, I think you can really inspire a whole generation. But right now, there's, just, there's a huge gap that it, we're, we're closing in on. But um, there's so much potential energy in a child. No, for sure. I think that's a very amazing point that you brought up. And even we're going to get to the summit soon. But I think even that whole notion of there's so much potential within a child. And Mm -hmm. I think everyone knows this. If you're in an educational sector, you can see that on a day to day basis. But that's not very much capitalized on. Mm -hmm. And as a student, even like, I always say this, but now being in high school, like four years seems like a lot of time, but it's really not. And I even I'm I'm kind of on the other side of that where it's like I know what I want to do and what I'm passionate about. Yeah. But I know that's not the same for a lot of other students and the majority of students. So I just think that it's very, very important to not only make things and make opportunities accessible to students, but let them immerse themselves and explore them at the same time so that's that whole notion of that pathways to potential is Mm -hmm. we always talk about internships internships like oh we need interns that's great but that's just after how are you going to set up these students for success within these internships if they don't even know what design is about or they don't know what graphic design is so I think that's like that touches exactly and you're kind of one of those success stories in that (laughs) way where even going into Leslie you had a preconceived notion Mm -hmm. of what graphic design was and what design was but it turned out not to be what you were thinking so I think that's where a lot of students fall right now is they think of one thing and they think this career goal or this career um, pathway is going to take them to this path but it's really not and a lot of these paths are universal Um, so just before we get to like our next question I wanted to squeeze in um, a little more honed in on RLMG and like what is your guys's capacity in taking like high school interns and have you had them in the past? Yeah, high school interns. Um, we have, I, in my experience, I don't think we've ever done a high school intern. Um, not that I have a great reason why we haven't. Um, I think our our workforce is kind of bimodal. I think we have a we have a 
people who have been around the company when it used to be a different company, it was a, a, a documentary house uh, called Chet Angier Lewis, uh, who did um, a lot of stuff for uh, various educational programs. And we kind of rode the wave of interactivity in the early 2000s when computers started really kind of becoming part of the the zeitgeist. And so we really got into interactives and that became our new identity. Uh, thank you to Richard Lewis for that. Um, and so I think our our work is very specialized, as I, as I mentioned, and it's tough to find ways for a high schooler um, who is proficient in tools, but getting a high schooler to be involved and in, in kind of curating educational experiences, it would probably be more us like creating an educational experience around the job rather than a traditional internship. I think those are two kind of different, I think an internship, I always imagine a, a business is is getting something out of that, whether that is, you know, grunt work, kind of doing something that is, uh, no one else wants to do, or they're they're somebody's pushing an idea forward. Um, not to say that a high schooler couldn't do our work, but uh, I think it takes a special um, set of skills for at least somebody like me to be able to facilitate. Uh, I think it takes an educator, somebody on staff who can actually kind of curate educational experiences based on the day and be able to have someone shadow them and look over their shoulder and see. Uh, you know what? This is what's going on, and so um, I think there's there's a spectrum of an internship uh, that could be explored for that. Yeah, I mean, just like you said, I feel like there are two parts to this internship idea. You, your end would be the educator, but then you also have the educatee, which is the student. And I think that from the student's perspective, what's needed is the preparation in order to be able to come into a position such as yours and be able to be educated. And just like we said, that preparation right now, what we're seeing is that there's kind of like a diversity gap with it. There are certain people who get that preparation and it's not coming from the school system. So that's why we're seeing a lack of certain demographics not being able to like jump into those internship roles. And that's why we see the need for this preparation to be provided by the school to happen not only in high school, but earlier on so that students can kind of know what they're coming in for. So that's one side of this kind of pipeline we're envisioning. But like you said, there's also the educator. And I think that RLMG, like you guys said, you you want to work towards being able to create an environment for a student to walk in and kind of learn about the work that you're doing and also be immersed in it. And I think that right now, that's really like the mindset that we want from the businesses we're talking to as well. I mean, right now they're seeing high school students and but they're also like college students who are able to do internship internships and they're more interested in these college students, like assuming they have more experience and can actually contribute something. But who says that without the with the right preparation, a high school student couldn't do the same. Mm-hmm. And I think that really that's why we not only want students to be prepared for these internships. Hence, our pathway to potentials idea, but also making sure that businesses can be open to taking on these roles and can kind of like create curriculum that surrounds the idea of preparing a student and immersing them in whatever the job has to deal with. So I think that that's a great point you brought up. And in order to tie it back to our two block summit that you were a part of in May, and we're so glad that you were part of kind of our like first summit that we held this was the original and since then we've had two so thank you so much for going but 
um sorry <laughs> um we've been talking a lot about creating shared value this is something that we kind of reiterate in all of our podcast episodes and all of our meetings and we also talked about a little at this one as well so when it comes to creating shared value we find that it's very different from corporate social responsibility because we see that creating shared value is actually being able to improve the like societal and environmental conditions of a community like to the fullest extent Whereas we see CSR as something that's only a temporary solution. So when we're talking about these two ideas as a whole, we want to ask, what do you think it will take for corporations to move from a CSR mindset to a CSV mindset? It's the big question, right? One of the big questions. I, I mean, the quote that I keep that's resonating in my head is your, uh, I think it was, Jess Pina from uh, Tank, mm. uh, Tank Design. And she said something I found to be really interesting. It was one is a mindset and the other is compliance. And that really felt right to me is the idea that, um, yeah, CSR uh, is kind of checkboxy. It is, you know, somewhat, it's like business doing the bare minimum to look, it's, it's performative. Um, whereas the creating shared value, uh, it's, it's holistic, it's creating a system that is sustainable. Um, just to go back to even to the internship idea, um, I think the the name of the game for internships for a business is minimize risk. Like I'm having someone coming into my building and I don't know who necessarily who this person is. I hope they're you know qualified to do that. I hope they don't have any ill intent to steal all my secrets, but I also hope they're qualified enough that like my workers aren't being bothered by this person. And that's unfortunate, but I think if we can get to that inflection point where we bring in a high schooler and, oh, we're getting value from that because now that high schooler knows our systems, knows in, in four years they can they can come back to us and they'll, they'll have uh, an idea of what we're up to. They'll know the systems. They'll have uh, more to offer. And now we have someone who's even more prepared than the average college person coming out of college. Um, and so I think it's the idea of this shared value is such a powerful idea and it's done well. I think you can really create these self-sustaining systems, but you're butting up against systemic everything like the, the, the gigantic at a scale. It's just the country is at a certain period right now. I think you're also dealing with very specific challenges around COVID. I think we're just getting out of it. Um, but you know, these businesses are, they're tightening their belts. Their, their, their vision is this wide. They're just looking at their bottom line for next year and they can't quite see the value in bringing in and creating these pipelines alongside y'all. Um, and I think it's going to take them to understand the like diversity is a value. It's, it is a value in itself. I think, uh, I'm, I'm really like confronting this right now in our work. Uh, with museums is because every museum is so different from a different place in the world. Uh, it does not, it's not, does not benefit us at RLMG to have the same person times 30. We need to have people who know, like we will have a baseball museum and like I play baseball. And so like, I know so much more about this tiny minute thing and I'm going to pick it up on our interactive and go, Oh, that person would never hold a bat like that. And that's not going to matter to 90% of people, but for the people who are going to the museum, it's going to matter. 
now like port that over to a museum about you know a native american tribe or uh, a museum about a specific uh place in the, in the country that is more diverse than where we are today uh we need people who can speak readily to that and have life experience that they can add to this while also being really good at their jobs um and so that's something that that's immediate value for me at least in my eyes that like we need to create better pipelines bring in more people uh we're confronting diversity at our lmg front on i think it, you can't hide you look at our our employee list and you look at the pictures it's it's right there in front of you and so we are working to we want this to be a, a studio that people of all backgrounds feel comfortable are set up for success uh, and that starts with, for us at our scale, uh, policy and taking ownership over our company and being able to see people of different backgrounds in our studio at any given time. And that's going to take time, but I think we are moving in that direction. Um, so yeah, I hope I answered your question. Oh, no, for <laughs> sure. I think you addressed a lot of points under this very big umbrella. Um, yeah. I think even just to touch on a couple of points you brought up, like your last point on being like a diverse workspace. I think that's something that is very in the news and in a hot topic now. I think um, it's it's proven like having a diverse and, a, and an equitable workspace, it, it, it's a return, you know, mm. um, you have better success and it's just a better working and successful environment as a whole. Um, I think even then right now, something that just in our in our podcast with her, we were talking about is is the notion of checking boxes. And mm -hmm. you brought this up where we feel like even this whole DEI notion is is just used as a as a label, as an mm -hmm. advertisement. Yes. Oh, we're having diversity. We're having this. But you're not walking your talk, you know, and that's where that's that roadblock. So it's very inspiring to me to hear that. For RLMG specifically, it doesn't just stop there where, yeah, you have a diverse workspace and people in that environment, but also you're trying to bridge that gap within the policies and the, and the implementation in that environment as well. So I think that's what's needed. And I think you guys are setting a very good framework for a lot of other. I know you guys are on a smaller scale, but I think even the bigger businesses can can learn a lot <laughs> just from that. Um, and that really touches on that whole CSV and creating shared value. Like we, as I think it's hard for businesses to differentiate that in, in that mm -hmm. sense where that's how it's been. CSR, just throwing monetary like value at causes, which is great. Don't get me wrong. Money does solve a lot of <laughs> problems in this world, but that's not how that's not where it ends. You know, there's much more needed and, and even time is a big investment. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't think of that. Having a couple people from your company come to a classroom or teach like a certain class on a specific topic that in itself that's an investment that doesn't need any monetary expense at it you know so at its forefront and I think that's where those inspiring and I even if I think back on my own experience one of the most like experiential and learning time points in my in my trajectory thus far have been times where people have just given me their time and, and mm -hmm. sat down and talked to me and told me their path and their journey to get where they are. And I think that even just someone to look up to or have that inspiration is is really meaningful. So yeah, just like Jeanette said, that's really all it takes. Mm -hmm. I mean, you I feel like you have to be a student to really understand the value and how much it means to kind of be exposed to these types of things. 
And that's why we really want these businesses to hear everything from our perspective and make sure that whenever they're thinking of these things or like these decisions are being made, the students are able to be at this table and kind of talk about what we need and what we think businesses should be providing to kind of help us move forward. And that's why we use this to come back to the idea that like educating today's youth, just like we mentioned before, requires multiple stakeholders. So it's not only the school who's educating these students, but like you said too, Ryan, these corporations have the power to shape the education that happens in our schools. So we wanted to ask you, how do you think companies really can help facilitate our learning? And to kind of add on to that, what do businesses need from the community to understand their ideas and kind of give them a viable solution? Hmm. Well, we can start with the companies. I think, fortunately or unfortunately, I think companies are kind of the end-all, be-all. You know, that's where people are going to be making their money. Uh, that's where we are going to find our livelihoods. And this is where, uh, you know, the pipeline kind of ends. And so I think we need to close the feedback loop. You need buy-in from the companies. Um, and so, you know, it's whether that's, you know, hiring practices or, you know, clearly outlining the the things you need someone to come in. I think like, you know, the bigger companies, these Googles, the Microsofts, you know, there's, there's some rigorous in, interview processes where they say you need this, this, and this, you need to, you need to create, um, there's like a test here. There's like a, it's, it's, it's a huge process. And while that's really helpful, I think at a scale, I think we could create something similar where it's like, I, I, I know we need this, this, and this to work at RLMG. Um, I was fortunate enough. I, I've been teaching at Leslie for, as an adjunct professor for four or five years. Uh, this fall is actually the first time I'm not teaching a class, uh, which is a very exciting. I mean, not exciting. I think it's like <laughs> strange. I'm not, te- I'm not in the, for the first time in my entire life. I'm not involved in school as a student or a teacher. So this is a, I'm in a bit of a limbo, but what I was able to do uh, and Leslie was able to provide me the freedom is to create my own curriculum. And basically while I'm working at RLMG, I, I basically created a class that said, what if someone passed this with flying colors, they would be ready to work at RLMG. And uh, we have like a real life example of that. Uh, I had a student who um, from, you know, his first, year or two basically knew I was working at RLMG and said, I want to work here. And I'm like, well, uh, there's a lot that goes into this, but what if you learn this, this, and this? And then the next year he'd come back and be like, all right, I've learned this and this. What What else do I need to do? And he took the class and he's working at RLMG, not because of me, but because of his own doing and his own talent. Um, but that's a really good small scale example. Uh, another good example is um, I had Maxwell, uh, an IFP alum in my class. And to say that Maxwell blew the class away as somebody who was the youngest one in the class. And this is a 3000 level, like specialized animation design class that it's not easy. He came in on day one and blew it away. And it just shows that Maxwell has had opportunities to create, like learn so much about design and learn alongside y'all. Um, and that just, it shows immensely in the work. Um, and, you know, I haven't seen his work at Tank Design, but I'm sure even fabulous over at Tank Design. And so um, it, I think it's just a matter of getting people involved earlier in the process. And have businesses are responsible for that, I think, because I don't think they can anymore uh, just sit on their pedestal and look at their bottom line. They have to be more involved in these communities. Yeah, I mean, I love the two examples that you shared, and I think that they show 
just how much can happen with the idea of opportunity. And right now we see that, like you said, companies are on their pedestal. The district is just doing what the district does and there's no really correlation between the two. So you don't see that idea of opportunity really being spread that much. But when you're able to give a student the support, the preparation that they need to take on these internships, these like future job prospects, it you really see how much they can do. And I think that speaks to the potential and the talent that's in our district and that the businesses can really capitalize on in a sense. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think even adding on like you brought, we always talk about Maxwell <laughs> and how amazing he is, like even as being like an IFP alum. But to that mm-hmm. point, like I think this is kind of shameless self-promo, but IFP in a sense is setting that groundwork and even the work we're doing here is something that a lot of students want and are lacking in mm-hmm. the day-to-day education that they're receiving. Um, We're able to, it, IFP is so diverse in many senses, but even like me and Hermela, for an example, design, we're interested in it, but it's not our <laughs> forte, if you will. Yes. But we're able to use that and and collaborate with other people who, who are passionate about that to create something so amazing, such as two blocks. It's not, we're not just at the front of it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we have the podcast, but there's amazing students doing amazing work at the same time time and I think that's where that equitable field comes in where yes there are students who are able to voice their opinions and share what they have to say but there's also students who are doing just as important work but maybe it's behind the scenes so I think Mm -hmm. that even in itself IFP is such a good like metaverse for that if you will like we're really pushing and leveraging how well students can and and can can project themselves um and that's what's lacking in schools Mm -hmm. um so I just wanted to ask you, too, um, if v- listening, there's obviously going to be a lot of people listening, but what would you say to the various stakeholders, including Kendall Square businesses, CPSC, and the city government about working together to improve the way we are being educated? I, I mean, it's a big question, too. I think um, the example I can give is kind of so I'm not teaching this fall, but what I'm doing instead to kind of fill this and to know that I, I it, it means more to the people I'm helping than it, it's I'm I'm getting more out of my effort than I could ever imagine by just being is just doing one on one mentoring and um, I'm finding this to be just such a rewarding um, use of my time. Once a week, I have like you know two or three students at any given time. And just to talk and to talk about their portfolio and what they're working on. And I know this means a ton to them. And it's just an hour out of my day. But I'm finding that to be just so rewarding. And knowing that they're setting themselves up, I can ask the questions that so specific to what they need. Um, and I think businesses can just do this at a, at a scale just way larger than that. But it's the idea that the amount of effort a business puts in, the amount of you know monetary time, whatever whatever it is, is just means so much more to uh, a student, to a learner, to someone who wants to try to get through this pipeline. And I just, I think if they can see that value, you know, a business can do somersaults if they know they can make money from it. Mm. And I, I that that's there's no doubt about that. And I think once this the shared value really clicks for these businesses and they understand, 
you know, helping your community out is uh, a high tide raises all boats is the, is the, the classic metaphor here. And I, I just, I, I granted, I can't speak from a, a place of a gigantic corporation and all the things I have to even deal with, even just in the, uh, the, the co-op transition, learning about business and all of the things that a business has to deal with. It's so just over my head and overwhelming. It's really tough. It's paralyzing to try something new or to, to, to diverge from this because you have investors and something or what all these other variables. And so I, I can understand from that perspective, but that will change. That will change. You, uh, you, you two will become the people who are going to be running these companies one day <laughs> and all will be well, but that's not the solution. The solution has to be action now to create more of, of you and more of IFP alums that are prepared to make a big difference. And so, you know, I, I, I really, th- I, I can't imagine businesses can't understand the, the bottom line of positivity around shared value yet, if they haven't already. Um, but I, I, I see it and I'm, we're, we're trying one step at a time to really get there sustainably. Um, at least I, I can speak from RLMG where we're, we, I, and to, to give RLMG the credit that they deserve. I think one of the things that uh, we do so well is uh, women in power. Um, out of all of the departments that it's design, programming, video, animation, those are all led by women. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, I think, a really um, unusual thing in our industry, um, even in the creative field. I think just uh, the overwhelming amount of women in our company um, is it's a testament to the work that has been done so far. So I, it makes me confident that we will get to a place where we can expand that even further. Um, so, you know, it's just one, it's just creating a, a constant efforts to create this, this thing. Um, I don't think it'll be solved in a day, as you know, but um, I don't know. I would love to see more movement on it from the bigger companies. Yeah, I mean, as do we, just like you said, we think that the businesses really do understand the idea of CSV compared to CSR, or we hope they do at this point. And so do we. And I think that having that mutual understanding of what we all want and need, we're able to kind of create a solution that can benefit both. Because I think part of the problem is that businesses don't really understand the benefits that they can receive taking on students for their companies. And I think that students obviously see the benefit. I mean, we all get so excited whenever we have the opportunity to work with like high up companies. We think that's really cool, but maybe that's not the same on the business's end. And we just hope that we're able to get to that place and build the pipeline, the two-way street to kind of connect the two. And we know it's going to take consistent effort. We know it's going to take time and that there are going to be kind of roadblocks along the way, as Jeanette said. But on our end, we're willing to have the patience. But on the business's end, we're willing that they hope we hope they have the intent to kind of work with us on this. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that intent and and even the consistency theme is something that we're trying to embed within our through lines Mm -hmm. of two blocks is that 
there are and I think Cambridge is super like unique in this example because it's not a city that you picture in your mind mm. being like despair or inequitable because it's very it's it's very much not but at the same time it is which mm. is very unique because I don't think that exists anywhere else in the world in yeah. that sense um but I think consistency is something that is needed on all these sectors that we have partaking within two blocks such as the businesses and the and the school district and the city government but I think that's what's lacking at the same time where obviously we have the businesses and they're doing amazing and great things for the past however many years they've been in business but their consistency with the community is not there their consistency on their business end and that's fine the school is this consistent with educating its students but it's not consistent enough in keeping up with again that whole workforce and how it's being developed so on that front we wanted to ask you like what do you think businesses need from the community to understand their issue and give them a viable solution you've been here since the beginning of two blocks again um but what do you think is necessarily holding us back from from getting to where we need to get to? Because we right now we feel we're in this like roadblock situation where we don't know what's next. So, I mean, I, I we I look to you because uh, I think you've done so much work in this space and have inspired I I think a lot of businesses and people. Um, and people underneath, like the students, I, I can't imagine students aren't looking at IFP at a young age, or hopefully they are to be like, wow, like these people are leaps and bounds above me. And even just hearing you two just speak uh, at, at, at the summits, it just even the, the podcast as a whole and your thoughts, I, I share the sentiment that, that just Pina had and that nothing can hold you back. I really don't believe that. I mean, I, I really do believe that. Um, but at the same time, I think we have a lot of uh, obstacles. You have a lot of obstacles in the, in this world. I think this world is, um, especially our, our country is, a, it's a, a tangled system. And uh, we are in a weird a space where I think businesses are just waking up from this COVID tightening uh, where they really feel like they can maybe make some decisions. I Pressure is really I, the only thing that can get these companies to do anything. And I I feel like the work you've done at IFP and the the documentation you put out there and the installation that's coming out, like the, there's so much that makes complete sense to a lot of people. Um, and I think it's just a matter of, getting them to really understand the value. I, I really do believe that one day they will understand and maybe it takes one really great success story from one of those big Silicon Valley companies for be, to be like, we've developed a pipeline and everybody is who's going to this high school is going to come work for us or something. Like that's an extreme example, but it takes, I think, initiatives like yours and two blocks to really create that case study that will be studied you know in the years to come i i, I really do believe so well people are going to understand like work was done here and we we really got to the point uh where we can act um and but you know it's system after system if, if one system doesn't believe in it and have has uh complete uh, belief in this idea then it grinds to a halt and um i know certainly from my perspective going uh completely fresh into two blocks not knowing any of the information that was 
you were gathering around this discrepancy in Cambridge alone. I think the, the main strength of two blocks is the fact that this is Cambridge, Massachusetts, and anybody would un, would think, oh no, Harvard, MIT, but nothing outside of that. And there's this is a gigantic discrepancy in opportunity, and. I think that's where the strength of your core idea is. And I really just hope that the work you're continuing to do will, will show that to more people. Thank you. I mean, thank you so much for the high praise. We hope that as IFP, we can really work towards creating that push that's needed and kind of be part of the lighthouse that helps make sure that this issue is finally recognized because we understand that it's systemic, it's going to be hard to dismantle. So we recognize the work that it's going to take to make sure that the problem is actually broken apart. And we hope that through like working with other people and kind of creating some leadership to kind of help get this done, we hope that we can finally overcome that roadblock that's we've kind of currently reached in a way where we're talking to a bunch of people, but we don't see a lot of stuff moving forward. We hope that this period will come to an end and we can finally see some action and some policy change coming our way. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think even now, like that saying, like great things take time mm-hmm. and like waiting is is good. I think that's where we are right now, where we're sticking through and we see hope and we see that light at the end of the tunnel. But it's so like small right now and we're just being completely honest where we love having conversation and I think that's something that we've just been doing for over like two years now but at the end of the day it's it's hard to to keep repeating the same thing over and over again and we don't mind doing it we're gonna continue doing it as annoying (laughs) as it is we're gonna continue repeating the same thing and CSR CSV but it's we don't see that action and it's (laughs) very very hard for us because at the same time, that's exactly what we're addressing. And mm-hmm. if this is being clearly highlighted for you and, and we're talking about communication and we're talking about consistency, shouldn't that ring a little bit of a bell on what needs to be done and how you're just practicing that over and over again? So I think that's just, I don't want to end on a negative note, <laughs> but I think that's what's like where we are right now. And we want to be as like open-ended and truthful with all of you guys listening is we want to start seeing action. And I think that's where we are now, where we want to see people come together. Yeah, we've put, we've had these conversations, and we're going to continue having these meetings and these summits. But we want those environments to to evoke change and mm-hmm. inspire change, and just not just passing out business cards. Oh, contact me, I'll be in contact. Great, amazing, do that. But how are we using those connections and building those connections greater to benefit two blocks as a whole? Mm-hmm. So I think with that said, I That's mean. Fantastic. Yeah, if Ryan has any last remarks or comments, then yeah. No, I just wanted to say that, you know, thank you, Jeanette and Hermela, for, for having me. Uh, I think the work you're doing is just, it, it's inspiring. Every time I've, I've talked to you both or, you know, with Michael or anybody, I just instantly want to do something. And it's just me coming back to my company and being like, and you, I think we've done some work with your company, but not to the extent that I would like. I really, yeah. you know, there's there's like all of these things that I would love to do. But, you know, as I'm learning about the business side, and this is something that I've been completely blind to, is, man, business is complicated. And I'm sure. thankful that I just make things look pretty. I really am <laughs> just out there, like, doing art. And uh, there are people who are much smarter than me um, who are doing 
or making the business work. Uh, what I would like to see is people uh, who look like me do making the business work. Um, and so we're, we're getting closer and, you know, uh, seeing uh, you two, especially, I think is just, I, I know the future is in good hands. I just want the future to happen now. Thank you. Thank you That so means a much. lot. Thank you. Yes. And again, we're really thankful to have you on this podcast. We thought that we, I think we had a great conversation today sure. and we hope to continue it later on. For so. sure. So thank you, Ryan, again, and hope to see you soon.